Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by TaylorMade Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Pride, Two Under, Zexio, Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, Making the Game More Fun, Bionic Gloves, and the McLemore Club. Experience life above the clouds. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. I appreciate the fact that you're coming back again and joining me tonight. And for voting for the show and moving it up on the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for the month of May, we're up from 44 to 39. I really appreciate your support as well as tuning in and being a part of the show tonight. And speaking of tonight, we've got a really special show in store for you. Got three great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you tonight. Leading off is going to be Brent Dornford. This is Brent's second visit with us. He is the marketing director for one of the best courses on the planet, and that's Old Head Golf Links over in Kinsale, Ireland. If Old Head isn't already on your bucket list of courses to play, it will be after you listen to this show and go online and check it out at oldhead.com. They're just opening things up over there. We'll hear how it's going. We'll talk about the history of the golf course for those of you that weren't with us last time Brent was on the show. Really excited to have him here. He'll join me in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll be joined by Evan Schiller. Evan is a PGA professional who played his college golf at the University of Miami. You're probably more familiar with Evan's work as a photographer right about now because he may be the best golf photographer on the planet. Check out his work online at evanschillerphotography.com to see why I say that. We'll talk about his golf career, which, like I say, included time at the University of Miami plus the 1986 U.S. Open. Also, we'll talk about the great courses that he's had the opportunity to visit and photograph. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a return visit from orthopedic specialist and the founder of Pine Valley Orthotics, Stu Sakowitz. If you're like me and you suffer from back, hip, knee, or foot pain, and you really feel it during or after your round of golf, Stu has the orthotic that can help alleviate that for you. We'll hear about that when Stu joins me about 50 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. All right, before we get started, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Macklemore. My buddies and I are headed up there this year for our annual golf trip, and I absolutely cannot wait. The Macklemore is a beautiful community resort and golf course just 35 minutes outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee on Lookout Mountain. Folks, go online to themaclemore.com and check out what a wonderful golf course and other amenities they have up there. Their new clubhouse and bar opened up last fall. Folks, you got to see this place to believe how great it is. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And our friend and PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. And Golf Digest agreed, oh, by the way, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. See why they're all saying that by checking out the course and the resort online at themaclemore.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. 
They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance. From the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two underperformance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA licensed briefs. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at TaylorMade and their TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw? Check. Low fade? Check. Bump and run? Out of the sand or flop shot? Check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly designed dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it over the trees, under, or even through them, hit TP5 and TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now next on the tee with me is Brent Dornford. Brent is the brand manager at Old Head Golf Links over in Ireland. And folks, if you're not familiar with Old Head, please go online to oldhead.com to check out what an amazing property this is. I'm sure you're going to be blown away like I was when I first read about it a few years ago. It's a peninsula stretching two miles out and 300 feet above the Atlantic Ocean with a golf course on it. Their tagline on their website is the most breathtaking yards in golf, and that's no exaggeration. Prior to his current role, Brent was a key account manager for Bushnell Performance Optics, and I'm very honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brent, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, no, it's a pleasure, and thanks for having me. It's good to good to hear your voice again on the, uh, well, we're almost on the other side of this uh, COVID thing now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Indeed. So to that end, Brent, we've lived through some crazy, unprecedented times over the last 13 or 14 months. How have you guys been dealing with it over in Ireland? Crazy times, yeah, crazy times. Um, in fact, I suppose timely and indicative of, uh, of what we're, we're kind of been going through is that, uh, no, I've just literally got back to, uh, to Ireland from my UK base, um, where we actually went for a month, um, some, uh, some six or seven months ago, um, to visit my son and family and actually to pick up a new puppy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sure enough, lockdown kind of, uh, kind of happened on both sides, UK. And here, so we decided to yeah operate from uh, our our UK office. We had the team in place over here, uh, doing what they do. Um, and myself and my wife were able to uh, to kind of keep in touch with them through Zoom, as you do. And uh, yeah, returned to Ireland last Wednesday. But uh, I'm currently kind of looking out the window at home. We're in a little bit of a quarantine. We had our our jabs in the UK, then we had to get tested. We took the ferry and then we get tested again on uh, on this coming Tuesday, um, when we'll be released back into the community and uh, and head back up to Old Head uh, after a long time. Um, so yeah, we've kind of obviously been missing it. Uh, but as I say, we've been in touch and uh, and everything everything has been going uh, been going well. Um 
I suppose to expand on that, yeah, no, last last season, um, yeah, um, as you know, kind of everywhere went went locked down. Come come March, we would ordinarily open the course in the middle of April, uh, but we were not able to open it until uh, until actually the end of June. And whereas, um, as you know, Chris, we're predominantly kind of uh, hosting uh, international guests, members, and uh, and unfortunately they weren't able to come because of uh, the, the restrictions in place. So we had to completely uh, re-strategize and uh, and see what we could do to make the season as, as interesting as possible business-wise, and uh, and to fill our tea times and uh, and the new suites uh, that we built. Talk about where we're at now. I know you, you mentioned a moment ago local membership and that sort of thing. You guys are just starting to open back up to them. Talk about that. And then when do you expect that the international, not only just your international members, but the rest of us that are dying to get over there and play the course again, when do you think we'll have that opportunity? Yeah, no, we can't wait for that to happen. Um, and yeah, sure enough, it's absolutely correct. We we were able to to open up. Um, this last week um, to local members of, of which there are only a number, um, to be honest, because we're, we're a, an international club. Um, we do have some lucky um, lucky domestic members um, of whom pretty much all of them were playing yesterday. There were there were 20 people on the golf course. Um, I guess that's, that's kind of an incredible experience for them. Um, it's kind of a car park golf, if you like. We can't open up any of the other facilities. Um, so it's literally rock up and play, but, um, no, they had a, they had a beautiful day to, to do it. Um, beyond, beyond that, um, we are allowed to open up to, uh, to non-members from, from May the 13th. Uh, but again, there's going to be a lack of kind of international traffic. Um, so what, um, that's enabled us to do is to kind of open up our T-sheets, um, from from the bookings that we had in place, which which would always be kind of international, to give you an idea, before we start in a normal season, where we're pretty much every tea time is booked out and every sweet night is booked out. Um, and that would have been the same for this year. But as, as the regulations kind of hung in there, sure enough, people have had to kind of postpone and move on, um, thus freeing up times. So the same as last year, Chris, we, we opened up to the, the domestic market, the Irish domestic golfers from, uh, from the north downwards and, um, who were absolutely delighted to, to have the opportunity to play old head. And, um, from when we opened in June last year through to October, which is when we'd normally shut anyway, every, uh, every spot was taken by, a by a, an Irish golfer and every sweet night was taken. It, by golfers, non-golfers, actually, people just coming to actually stay in the suites with their views across the Atlantic and to kind of dine in the restaurants and use the spa facilities. So, um, yeah, with that said, we can open up the, the suites on June the 2nd this year. So I would say we're going to have a little bit of a repeat in terms of like domestic play um, until we would hope come July, August, um, we'll start to see the return. I mean, there's still still eyes to be dotted by the kind of Irish government, but we're hoping to see kind of, it'll be an initial slow return um, to international play from July onwards, but we would certainly hope to see um, some of our our members who we miss very much um, coming over from, uh, well, predominantly the US, but also other European countries 
um, so they can at least get to play a, a little bit this season, and then, uh, yeah, God willing, we'll be we'll be back to uh, to normality next year. Uh, things are things are certainly going in the right direction, as we know. Although, kind of obviously, feel the pain of uh, of some of the countries out there um, that, are, that are really suffering still. But uh, I think the US and Europe are kind of getting it together. So, Brent, have you been able, you know, keep the course up to your standards and the expectation of your members? I'm sure. Revenue had to be way down because of the pandemic and, and the travel restrictions. How have you guys been able to keep everything sort of going to the level that you would expect once you open back up? Yeah, I mean, the, we're very fortunate in terms of the the Irish government have been very supportive of, of industry and the golf industry uh, as a whole, uh, to be honest. So we've, we've been able to... Uh, to access um, subsidies um, that have helped us be able to pay our staff. So we keep our, even though we would shut the course at the end of October and open it in the middle of April, we would always, in, an, in normal times, keep our greenkeepers on uh, to maintain the course throughout the winter and uh, to ensure that it's up to kind of expectations, beyond expectations, um, when we open in April. And, and thankfully, we were still able to do that. Um, including making a couple a couple of tweaks, as we always do, polishing the diamond, as we call it. We've made a couple of changes to the course um, over over the winter period, um, including kind of extending um, the 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 tenth hole Duncoma, which is kind of a par five. We we extended that by eighty yards and elevated the green site. Um, the hole now measures four hundred and thirty yards to 550 yards but again it's just a a beautiful uh green site now overlooking the kind of ocean it's an it's an inland hole one of our inland holes but you you get views across across the ocean still Um, and that worked well well ron kirby um who kind of headed up our original design team um probably the fittest mid 80 year old that you would ever wish to meet he was able to kind of work with uh Jim O'Brien, our general manager, and uh, Neil DC, our head greenkeeper, and Danny Brazil, our uh, director of golf, um, just giving the appropriate instructions as to uh, as to what to do with the hole in terms of the the bunkering and and the green itself, and some beautiful changes to the uh, to the tee as well, and entrance to that tee. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be very happy to see our members' faces when they kind of walk through that new entrance and. Uh, and enjoy playing the new hole. So how do you extend a hole by 80 yards on a property that's a peninsula? It's not, it seems, seems impossible to do. There's not like new ground opening up on, on a peninsula that stretches two miles out. How do you do that? Yeah, no, good point. Good point. Um, but there is, I mean, it's 220 acres. So in between holes and without any crowding, each hole very much. Um, feels individual, you know, you don't, uh, impacting on any other hole in doing that. And I guess it's down to kind of clever design and that, uh, that kind of acreage that, that allows us to do that. Um, it's just, yeah, again, I guess the genius of, of Ron Kirby and the team that we, we have on board, um, to utilize the space fully, uh, but also to make sure that each hole is its own piece of artwork, if you like. Uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's clever stuff. And Brent, for those folks who weren't with us last time, talk about the history of Old Ed because it's a very interesting one, complete with 
castles and moats and drawbridges. Talk about that piece of property and what the history of it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I always compare it to kind of just a whole number of, of stars kind of aligning um, in a, a kind of one in a million, one in a billion um, circumstance, if you like. It was uh, it was the two brothers, uh, Patrick and John O'Connor, who were born in Kerry um, to an Irish farming family um, who kind of, upon selling the farm, moved up to uh, Dublin with their family. Um, so from a, a, a modest background, but two very, very clever, uh, dynamic kind of individuals who then went off to do their thing in uh, in London, as was, uh, as was kind of the nature of kind of Ireland at the time, a lot of talented people would leave, uh, whether it be to the U.S. or to the kind of U.K. mainland. Um, Patrick and John kind of uh, kept their Kerry roots, but but lived over there, but would but would visit um, Kerry every so often um, with their friends. They actually built a, a home there for their kind of father, their mother, having sadly passed away. So they would visit him and, and do some rough shooting. Um, it was on one of those visits, actually, in, in kind of 19, 1989, um, when they were kind of returning back to London that, um, from Cork Airport, that, uh, that their flight was, was fogged in. Um, so rather than kind of visit the pub, they said, well, should we go and have a look at the, the old head headland um, that's been on the market for kind of five years? Like John had been speaking of the headland with uh, Paul Mulcahy, who was the MD of Waterville Golf Club. Um, Patrick wasn't so familiar with it. I think John secretly had it in mind that he was going to do something kind of crazy, um, stroke magical, and, and had a golf course in mind. Patrick wasn't really privy to this. Uh, but anyway, they were, he was persuaded to go there. They went, um, uh, with actually the, the broker, Dominic Daly, to go and look at this land, um, which as I say, had been on the market for five years. Um, it was, it was farmland at the time owned by, uh, Michael Roach, um, the local farmer who's still alive. Lovely, lovely man, uh, just lives down the road. It passed on, the headland had passed on from generation to generation. Uh, but, um, People, because of the beauty of the headland, Chris, people were, were kind of trespassing on the land with their dogs. And Michael was keeping livestock on there and, and over the years, unfortunately, lost a lot of that livestock due to kind of it being chased off. It's quite sad, chased off the edge of the cliff by whether it was people walking their dogs or they were scared of the people walking themselves, the trespassers, if you like. So he'd had enough, put it on the market. And, uh, and so there it was to be, to be viewed by the boys with, uh, with Dominic Daly showing them around. I think as soon as Patrick walked through the kind of ancient gateway, he just said, uh, how, how much is it? Uh, how much is this Dominic? And, uh, it was actually, it was the older currency at the time, the Irish punt, the kind of sterling or pound equivalent, if you like. And, uh, it was just over 200,000 punt. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were a lot more punts sunk into, sunk into the headland after that, but uh, Patrick just said, look, even if we charge people to come and just do a walk on here, let's, uh, let's get it. So they did it. They kind of pretty much did the, did the deal, um, there and then. And, uh, so that was going back to, to 89. The course actually opened in 1997. So there was a lot of kind of, uh, a lot of other stars aligning during that period of time in between, um, that, that resulted in it becoming what it is now, Old Head Golf Links. 
and uh, and it was John uh, who really had the drive uh, to do that. He was um, yeah a, a really unique um, individual uh, with astonishing drive, astonishing vision. Um, sadly, John passed away in uh, in in 2013. But uh, yeah, he was just a, a unique individual. I did get to meet him um over over a number of years thankfully and uh yeah just just amazing amazing what he did the kind of uh yeah the people that they met on the uh on on the journey to to creating um old head if you like and the designers involved whether it was uh yeah i mean it was a series of designers uh patrick merrigan who was involved with eddie hackett at waterville was involved Liam higgins the pro at waterville was involved um, Joe Carr, um, who was kind of Ireland's most successful amateur golfer and former captain of the RNA. He, he was involved. Um, he's, yeah, again, another amazing kind of individual. And, uh, and then finally it was kind of Ron Kirby who, who brought it, uh, all together, who was Jack Nicholas, uh, well, John still, John, sorry, Ron still. Still living, thankfully, as I say, the fittest kind of octogenarian that you would ever, ever wish to meet. Um, he was over designing Mount Juliet and, um, Patrick and, uh, and John went to meet him and, uh, and Ron came to look at the, uh, at the headland and he said, uh, hey, I'd, 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 I'd love to do this, um, this, this, this course design for free. And, and Patrick and John was like, looked at each other and he says, uh, but unfortunately I can't live on air. So he ended up, uh, yeah, but he did do it for an amazing, amazing, amazing deal. But yeah, lovely man, incredible man. And Brent, um, you mentioned the beauty of the property. And and uh, I have to imagine, you've got to have some pace of play issues. Because for people who aren't locals, i got to imagine there are pictures being taken, selfies being taken. I mean, from every vista that you have available from just about every key green outside of the time when you've only got 20 uh, local members playing right now. I mean, people got to be snapping pictures left and right. I imagine it's a six hour round of golf because you just can't, you can't not stop and look and see what there is to, to view. I mean, it's got to be amazing. Do you have to kind of, you know, get people out there, just kind of give them a gentle nudge like, all right, guys, gals, we we need to move along here. This round is now five and a half hours old, and you're on 13. Yeah, no, exactly. I can imagine, um, yeah, our director of golf, Danny Brazel, shuddering at the thought of a six-hour round. Um, <laughs> but no, what we do, um, which is quite um, quite unique again, is we allow 15 minutes um, kind of tee slots, which just gives people a, a bit more kind of level of comfort. And we, we absolutely acknowledge that, um, that they're going to want to take pictures and, and, you know, kind of put, put images to the, to, to the lifetime memories that they're going to have as they go around the course. And they're not, they're not, certainly not, they're not pushed around, but we have a team of guys. Danny has a team of guys just, just monitoring, if you like, not pushing, just kind of coaxing, just, just encouraging a nice, relaxing pace of play. Uh, but, but just so everybody can enjoy it. And I think those 15 minute tea times kind of enable that and, and everybody is coming off, um, with smiling faces, some amazing pictures and sometimes slightly wind, wind swept, sometimes slightly sunburned. But, uh, yeah, no, we, we kind of, we want everybody to enjoy it. We recognize that not, 
everybody is kind of lucky enough to be able to play them more than once. Sometimes it's a once in a lifetime kind of bucket list thing, and we want them to have the uh, the best time ever, and uh, and that's that's what we strive to do. Whether it's on the golf course or in the clubhouse or in the restaurant, that's kind of our thing is to, is to create the ultimate uh, the ultimate golf experience. Brent, after the last time you were on the show and, a, and another great friend of the show and a guy who listens regularly is former PGA Tour caddy Andy Leno. And Andy and a group of his friends went over and visited Old Head, I believe, back in 2018. And I guess after he heard heard you on the show, he wanted to immediately come back on and share his experience playing there. And he absolutely raved about the golf course and um, what the experience was like. Talk about some of the the good weather and the bad weather, what, what you guys experience out there on a peninsula into the Atlantic Ocean in Ireland. What's it like all the time? Yeah, yeah, no, certainly we can, we can have those, we can have those, uh, those days where it's, where it's windy, but, um, we have, we have a number of tees. I mean, from the ladies tees through to the, to the, the blacks, the course measures, um, yeah, just, just under 5,500 yards to just over 7,100 yards. So in between that, we can kind of, Play the tees um, according to the to the conditions, um, if you like. So, and again, people will kind of like. I think some of the the windier weather is almost slightly more authentic, uh, if you like. People like to come and play in that lengthy Irish yeah. kind of in same same in Scotland, and kind of kind of enjoy it and the crashing the crashing ocean below. Uh, but we can have flat, calm, benign days. In fact, I took. Took advantage with a with a friend um, just before we opened last summer. Um, it was absolutely benign, and uh, we kind of took off um, from down the road. Uh, the name of the pub is the Speckled Door. It's where kind of all the workers who originally built the course, because there were no facilities here, would go there and lunch and drink and so on and so forth. So we took off from there in our kayak. And we went around the headlands and we went around the lighthouse. And, and what we did, Chris, it was, it was so cool. We actually, there's caves that run underneath the headlands. So the narrowest part of the headland, there's caves that run all the way through from one side to the other. And, uh, we actually, and it was a three hour commitment, but we kayaked underneath the old head. Um, uh, flat, calm day, um, multitudes of birds. I mean, that's the thing is again, all the kind of the wildlife. Um, that you get around the headlanders is stunning. Um, we saw dolphins, we saw seals. Uh, yeah. So to see, wow. to see the course from the, uh, from the, from the ocean side was, uh, yeah, again, for me, lifetime memorable. And, and that was me taking lots of snaps then, but no Danny Brazzle pushing me along or nudging me along. <laughs> <laughs> Brent, just a couple more before I let you go. And last time you talked about how many of the tour players, uh, come over following the Open Championship to play the golf course. Are you expecting those guys to take the short plane ride over after this year's Open Championship? Yeah, I, w- I, w- I very much hope so. Um, I mean, Keith Pelly, um, who kind of heads up the the European Tour, is a very a very good friend uh, of ours. Um, my kind of son plays plays a bit of golf with his son, and we catch up. When we're in London and Keith's a big fan, um, of old head and we love having him here. And, and I'm sure that he, he's, he's probably going to bring along a few players. Um, like I said, it was back in July 1999 that we had, uh, well, you know, the story. I think we covered it last time when we had, uh, Tiger Woods, um, David Duval, 
uh, Mark O'Meara was here, Payne Stewart, uh, may he rest in peace, was, was here, um, Lee Jansman, Stuart Appleby. So, uh, yeah, we've got nobody kind of set to come now, but I'd, I'd, I'd probably be more surprised if they didn't because, you know, the, the, the noises are out there. And I know that uh, Keith tells me that a lot of the players who he's constantly working with the players really, really want to get over. So, uh, no, and they'd be super welcome. Um, it's, it's cool to see uh, whether it's a professional or kind of amateur or a member bringing his guests for the first time just to see the look on anybody's face. Um, and I can't wait to see the look on your face, Chris, when you come over. It'll be great to have you over, as I said, as soon as you can, um, just to see it for the first time. It's, it's just, yeah, there's no better feeling. Well, first of all, I can't wait. And as I said to you after last time, um, the course is right at the top of my bucket list. And my next guest, Evan Schiller, has done an amazing job of coming over there and taking pictures of the course. Talk about your experience working with Evan and the pictures that he was able to get of Old Head when he was there. Yeah, no, absolutely no. Evan's a good friend. He's become a good friend over the years. So we were in touch, uh, I think it was three, three, three or four years ago um, that he came over. And uh, no, we subsequently met up again at the uh, at the PGA show and um, went to, uh, we actually went to an Orlando Magic game with the uh, publisher of the book. Um, Bill Green, I'll, I'll maybe tell you a bit about um, Bill, who, who's another good friend in, in a bit. And uh, but no, when Evan came over, yeah, no, he's he's one of the guys who's got the talent. Who uh, I mean, it's never the same as actually being here, but certainly Evan is of the caliber that he does as much justice as you can possibly do to the to the beauty of the course. And um, certainly there'll be there'll be many many of his pictures uh, featuring um, within within. Old Head, the story, the book that uh, that we'll be bringing out for our kind of 25th anniversary uh, next year, which is kind of well underway uh, now, which kind of encapsulates a lot of what I've told you there, plus, plus, plus a whole lot more on uh, on what brought it into uh, into being. And so the story kind of is there to be read, but but just stunning imagery, kind of uh, from front to back, um, including a lot of lot of Evans. Uh, no. Good guy. No, say hi. Say hi from me when you when you when you speak to him. And I I owe him a call, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long until he comes here again. Dave Cannon is an is another. Um, he's actually one of our members. He's another um, photographer. I know he's got a book on uh, Sebi Ballesteros uh, coming coming out uh, shortly. But uh, yeah, as a member, he comes over. There's quite a few of his images that we'll be using using in the book uh, also. And also um, Brian Morgan. Um, he's a member who's a who's a photographer. These photographers come and they join. Tell Evan he should be joining. <laughs> that's, that's cool, actually, isn't it? These, these, it is quite cool. Now you think about it, the photographers come and come and take pictures and then they join. <laughs> that's yeah. A good well, sign. I, I got to imagine that that happens quite a bit. Not just with the photographers, but you get somebody on that property one time. I, I you know, as you mentioned earlier. It's it's a trip of a lifetime, and maybe it is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get out there and play. But I have to imagine when you are talking to folks and they get the full experience of being there, that's got to be really good for membership because I can't imagine that once you're there, you you don't you want to say to yourself, yeah, well, this is the only time I'm ever going to get to do this. You got to get a lot of repeat yeah. members from from that from the time they step foot on the property. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, now I'll go back to that. So, so Bill Green, who's uh, he's kind of the CEO of, uh, of Legendary Publications, who uh, who again um, is is a good friend and a good friend of of Evan. Um, so he came over when we decided that that's who we were going to work with to, uh, to 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 print the book. Um, if you like, he came over, and uh, it was a couple of summers ago. Bill's based in uh, in Columbus, Ohio. So he flew over, and uh, it was he, uh, myself, and and Patrick O'Connor who uh, who played a few holes. Um, Bill just had a, had a long journey. Obviously, it was just a case of getting a bit of fresh air. So we just decided that we played four holes. So uh, on the fourth hole, which is called the Razor's Edge, which um, the green site is down at the bottom, right at the bottom of the lighthouse, if you like. And um, these gannets were literally crashing into the ocean just at the back of the uh, of the of the green, like a real commotion. And then, uh, so there was obviously a big shoal of fish there. And so we're kind of, we stopped and we're, and we're watching this happen. And then from below the surface, the dolphins, like a pod of dolphins was, was coming up and getting, getting, I guess it was kind of mackerel from below, gannets from above, mackerel from below. So I think, uh, yeah, complete, well, sensory overload for all of us, but particularly Bill. He said, uh, Brent, when you told me this course was, uh, was amazing. I think that's the biggest understatement that I've ever heard anybody say. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, very, very cool. Well, Brent, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with what's going on at Old Head and then really start to get a feel for it because your website's fantastic. A lot of great videos on there really kind of give you a, a feel for what the property looks like. Let them know about that and how, how they can also follow you guys on social media. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for that. Um, yeah, so we're at um, www.oldhead.com and um, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram and also LinkedIn. So there's kind of constant updates. We're, we're doing a bit of stuff with, uh, like I say, every facet of the business we kind of want to excel in. At the moment, we're doing a few things with kind of uh, Michelin, um, as in the Michelin Guide. Um, so there's a few updates on what we're doing there in terms of our, our restaurants and, uh, and the suites where we're making investments. So yeah, no, that's there to be found. And of course, a few teases on the golf to encourage, encourage everybody over as well. Well, Brent, it's always a pleasure to, uh, get to spend some time with you. Thanks for coming back and updating us on everything that's going on at Old Head. Like I say, it's definitely on the top of my bucket list to see and play for sure. Hopefully we get the opportunity to do that real soon. In, in between now and then, stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Yeah, you too. Yeah, and likewise to your family. And thanks again, Chris, for the opportunity. It's great to chat. And um, let's keep in touch and get you over here as uh, soon as we can. I can't wait, my friend. I appreciate that very much. Looking forward to next time. Stay safe. All the best in your family. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, likewise. Take care. Cheers, Chris. That is the great Brent Dornford. And again, the site is oldhead.com, folks. Brent is fantastic, which is, you just heard, right? He's a great guy. And the course is absolutely going to be on the top of your bucket list like it's on mine. Once you go online and check it out for yourself, if you're not aware of it already. All right, before I get to my next guest, Evan Schiller, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. 
The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing fin cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Fin for a course that has them near you. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. Did you know that Golf Pride lets you rep your favorite team while also using the number one grip in golf? Your team, your grip, MCC Hybrid Grips, the number one grip series worldwide. Features an exclusive brush cotton cord in the upper hand for all weather performance with premium rubber in the lower hand for added feel. The new MCC Team Series is available in a variety of new color combinations so you can rep your favorite team out on the course. Available in standard and midsize. Check it out online by going to golfpride.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now next on the tee with me is Evan Schiller. If you're not familiar with Evan's work as a photographer, you need to go check out his site, EvanSchillerPhotography.com. And I'm not exaggerating, folks, when I say this. He's the best photographer on the planet. He played his college golf at the University of Miami, where in 1981 and 82, he helped them to a third-place finish at the Andy Bean Classic, a fourth-place finish in the Furman Invitational, and a fourth-place finish in the Southeast Invitational. And in the all-or-nothing tournament at Athens Country Club, they finished fifth and earned a berth in the National Championship Tournament at Pinehurst, where they finished 10th. He had another strong season in 1983 and helped them finish second in the FIU Sunshine Invitational. Qualified to play in events on the PGA Tour from 1984 to 1988, including the 1986 U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. And I'm honored to have him with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Evan, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Evan, so much to get into with you tonight after I was doing the research. And with all the friends that I've been blessed to have on the show, there's sort of six degrees of Evan's chiller. When I look back, I mean... (laughs) Obviously, you're good friends with Tom Patry, and TP comes on the show every other week. He's a he's a wonderful friend and, and instructor. Had Terry Hashimoto, who played at Miami, uh, on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Cindy Miller on last week also played at the University of Miami. Missy Bertiotti, another University of Miami player. She's been on the show several times. Um, and now, obviously, just having Brent Dornford from Old Head on, the, on in the last segment. And you've taken amazing pictures from there. Like I say... It's sort of that Kevin Bacon thing. It's six degrees of Evan Schiller here on the show. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, um, I'm sure. If he, I'm sure if you did enough research, you could probably find that with it, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, wow. That's um, yeah, that's going back a long way. I don't know where you got all the. I, I'm amazed you got all the information about my college, the college tournament. I don't even remember that stuff. <laughs> So let's start there, though. Let's go back to your days at the University of Miami. First of all, how does a kid from New York City end up playing his golf down in Miami? Well, uh, well, I grew up in Westchester. I lived in, in the city till I was about four, and we moved to Westchester. I just knew when I got out of high school, I wanted to go somewhere warm and play golf. So I didn't look at any schools north of North Carolina. That was about as far north as I was going. 
Um, and actually, I went to Tulane University in New Orleans for a couple of years, and the golf program wasn't what it was deemed to be, so I transferred to Miami. Um, and it kind of it, it wasn't really planned. I was speaking to a friend who was enrolled there, and she said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And I, I don't know. I'm maybe going to take a year off, take take a look at what I want to do. She says, "Well, why don't you come down here and hang out and check, check out you know we're still Miami?" And I laughed and I, said, I don't know if my boss going to let me go to Miami. Uh, anyway, so I went down. And I looked at the school. I liked it. I talked to the coach. Make a long story short, I literally went to the admissions office and said, "Hey, what do I have to do to get in?" Anyway, sent the transcript and off I was. I had to sit out a year because at that time when you transferred, you had to sit out a year. So I just hung out and practiced, got to know some of the guys on the team, and that's how it kind of happened. That I ended up in the University of Miami. And Evan, like like I mentioned, I mentioned a whole bunch of players there just a moment ago, but you also played yeah. alongside. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nathaniel Crosby, and Woody Austin, right? I did. Yes, they were both on. Uh, they were both on my team. Um, obviously, Woody went on to play on the tour and the, you know the Champions Tour, and uh, Nathaniel won the U.S. Amateur. Um, he won the Porter Cup as well, and I actually. Um, yeah, you know, I still stay in touch with Nathaniel, uh, a couple other guys on the team. But yeah, that was uh that was we had a we had a good team. Um actually Johnny I don't know if you know Johnny Dopfelt, he lives on Long Island. Uh he was on the team as well. So uh yeah, we had a we had a we had a good team there for a while. And after you graduate from Miami, you go on to become a PGA professional and you've played and several events on the PGA Tour. Talk about where your golf journey took you after you left Miami. So, let's see. I, Miami, I played uh, a summer of amateur golf. And, again, I wasn't um, quite sure what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure that I was good enough to turn professional and play. And at the coaching of my father, who said, you know, he said to me, you don't want to look back and say, 20 years and regret that you didn't do it. And, you know, and look back and say, hey, I wish I had at least given that a try. And he says, what do you have to lose? You know, give it a try for two, three years. You'll know when it, you know, if it's time to either continue or not. And so at the coaxing of my father, I filled out the application to go to tour school. Um, and I, you know, my first attempt, the first couple of attempts, I didn't get through. Uh, so I went and Started playing some mini tours in Florida. Um, I played various other tournaments on weapons. I and I actually I did. I they used to have I don't even know if they still have. I think they do Monday qualifiers for the tour events. It was essentially you'd have to pay a hundred dollars. Uh, you know there was anywhere between a hundred and a hundred and fifty guys would show up on Monday. You know they'd all put in a hundred dollars and they'd play and they would take the the full post court. And they would get in the tournament. And I just thought, wow, this is great. This is a way to get up. You know, if you don't have your card, it's at least a way to play. So I just took the attitude, hey, I got one day. I might as well just go for broke. Uh, and I I don't know how many I entered, but I, I don't know how many I got in, eight or nine of them. Uh, I just, I don't know. It was just, I did really well with them. So I got into, you know, eight or nine seven, eight, nine tour events uh, through that Monday qualifying process, as well as, uh, yeah, you mentioned the 86 U.S. Open that 
that was kind of a similar thing, but it was two-stage qualifying. I got in and played at Shinnecock. Oh, I, I don't know if I looked at it, played at uh, Shinnecock more than played me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that, because as I was sort of going through and looking at the history of that, you know, that 86 U.S. Open, I mean, Raymond Floyd won it, Jack Nicholas obviously coming off as the Masters. But you had all the big names there. I mean, Trevino, Watson, Johnny Miller, Greg Norman, Seve, Bernard Long. I mean, all those guys are in that event. And it was the week right after the Westchester Classic. So what was it like going there, qualifying, and then teeing it up with those guys? Uh, well, actually, I qualified for the Westchester Classic the week before as well. So I played there. Um, and then uh, so I went out to Long Island. It was a friend of mine who had a house out in Hampton, Hampton, gave me the house for the week. And wow. I don't know if you know what yeah, the Hamptons are like in the summer or June. It's, you know, it's hard to get a place. It's expensive, let alone when the U.S. Open's going on. So, uh, yeah, I um, I remember going out there, getting my courtesy car, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. You know, just, you know, USGA, U.S. Open courtesy car. Uh, a good friend of mine, Caddy, for me at this house. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So I went out on a Sunday. Um, well, maybe it was a Saturday night, and I played a practice round on Sunday. And I remember going out early in the morning, hit some balls, and it was really foggy. I'm out there on the range hitting balls, and I noticed there's a guy, there's somebody hitting balls behind me. And the sound that was coming, from the shots that this man was hitting, I had never heard before. It's almost like I could feel the ground, like a little bit of vibration. At least I thought I could. But I'd never heard a sound like that from anybody hitting the golf ball. And I turned around, it was Greg Norman, you know, like 10 feet behind me, hitting balls, and he's just lacing these things. And if you recall, he led every major going into the last round that year. Right. Needless to say, I wanted to, I was a little nervous. And then out of the fog from the other direction, another guy comes and puts his balls down about 15 feet in front of me the other way. It's Nicholas. Wow. So those, those two are going out to play a practice round because they knew each other. So here I am sitting between Nicholas, who won the Masters, and Norman, who's led, every, you know, I think at the time he was either ranked one or two in the world. I don't know. Or he was up there. Um, so I'm sitting between these two hitting golf balls. I was, I wanted to look for the, you know, the, the closest rock so I could crawl under it and hide. <laughs> talk, about feel, talk about feeling small. Uh, anyway, that was my introduction to the U.S. Open. Um, so I thought, oh, the first two is going to be easy now. <laughs> After that. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Anyway. And yeah, yeah, and the first round had to be brutal, like you mentioned a moment ago, because all the guys I mentioned shot opening rounds in the mid to upper 70s. You were in the very last group of the day, teeing off, I believe, at 3.42 p.m. What was that first round like? I want to know where you got all this information. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody <laughs> I do my me. research, my friend. Oh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was, it was an awful day. It was raining, it was windy, cold. Uh, I know they had to delay tea times for a while because of rain or thunderstorm. So my original tea, I don't think my original tea time 
My Regency time might have been 3.40, but I don't think I skied off till like 5 o'clock or something. I don't remember. It was so late because I got to the, uh, I believe it was the 13th hole, and I hit my drive in the rough, and P.J. Boatwright came out and said, we're suspending play because it was getting dark. I don't know what time. It was it dark? You know, it was June, so, you know, who knows? It was 8 o'clock. Or so. I don't know what it was. Uh, and I said, thank God. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you're playing a U.S. Open course, and it's, I mean, I don't know what the average is. One of the highest average scores for any one round still to this day in U.S. Open history. Um, it was tough. So I said, I'll be glad to come back in the morning and finish. So, you know, you come out in the morning, it's beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that first day was kind of brutal. Um, yeah, and I I heard that they said, Dory went, Ray Floyd won the U.S. Open on that first day because he didn't hit the ball very well. I don't know how many greens he hit. He didn't hit many, but they said he got it up and down from everywhere. Had he not, he may not have won. Right. Uh, yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very memorable week. So let's fast forward a couple of months after the California Open that August. I read that you drove to check out a new course at the time, Pitai Stadium course at PGA West. Talk about that course and how it inspired you to start bringing a camera out when you started playing, whenever you were going to play. Yeah, actually, uh, actually Tom and I uh, were out in uh, California desert, La Quinta. We stayed at the La Quinta Hotel. It was like forty bucks a night. It was in it was in July or August. It was hot. I remember driving down Highway 111. The sign said 120 degrees in the middle of the day. Uh, so yeah, we played the California Open. After we finished, somebody suggested that we go down the road to a new course, a new Pitai course at PJ West. And it turns out it was the Stadium course at PJ West that they had just finished. It was, it's the sister course to Sawgrass. So we got up early and we played. Because we wanted to play before it got really hot. Uh, they come to the ninth hole. And the ninth hole is par four. Slight little dog leg to the right. I don't even know what to call it dog leg. It kind of curves a little bit. There's, there's this lake. There's a sand trap that runs almost the length of the lake. And you have railroad ties you know, separating the sand from the lake and, you know, the Pitai railroad ties and then the fairway and the green. And the backdrop is this mountain. So we hit our shot and I'm walking and it's dead calm and there's a perfect reflection of the mountain and the water. Um, incidentally, the hole is called reflection. Uh, no doubt why. And I looked at this and I said, wow, this is really beautiful. And didn't have cell phones at that time. Said, I gotta go home. I gotta bring, start bringing a camera with me. So it was that scene that inspired me to go home, get a camera and start taking with me. And I, you know, subsequently did and just could take the camera with me, taking pictures of my friends or the courses I played. And I remember I would hang them up in my bedroom. You know, the whole, it was a little like, you know, eight by ten, but I had the whole, top of my wall lined with these photos I had taken of all the courses I played. Little did I know what it was going to amount to years later. <laughs> so 
So enter our mutual friend, Tom Patry, who is near and dear to both of our hearts. And yeah. he was, I believe, the head golf professional at Westchester Country Club, and you were an assistant pro there. And TP suggests something to you about the pictures you're taking. Do you mind sharing that story? Yeah, no, not I. Um, well, I I was working at Quaker Ridge, and John um, John Kennedy got the director of golf. Had John Kennedy was the director of golf or head pro, and um, Tom, I believe, went there as the director of instruction. And he called me and said, "Would you be interested in coming over here?" So we talked, and I said yes. Uh, so I don't remember which year it was, my first or second year um, photos of the golf course, just for fun, like I had been doing. So he suggested uh, that why don't you put some photos in the pro shop? Um, they're in the Buick Classic, because, you know, the Buick Classic used to be there every year in June. And I kind of laughed, and I thought that was pretty funny, right? Like like a joke, like, who the hell's going to buy these things? So I did, and, uh, you know, lo and behold, it's like the Monday or the Tuesday during the Pro-Am, a number of them sold. I had to get some more. I had to get some more made frames, put them back in because somebody had bought them. And, yeah, that's how it got started. You know, I did it at a few other clubs in the area, and, you know, one thing led to the next, and then clubs were asking me, and it just it took off from there. That was kind of That was the start of it. Again, little did I know what it was going to amount to. I didn't. Um, I never thought you could make a living as a photographer. Now you're sort of the guy. Have camera and ladder. Oh, by the way, will travel. Talk about the places your photography has taken you that you never thought you'd have an opportunity to be. Oh my God. Um, wow. Oh, um, I mean, well, I went to I've been to South Africa, but I don't know that. It was because of my photography necessary. It was more because I was playing golf, but I did go back there because of my photography. Uh, wow, all over uh, Ireland and Scotland, all over this country, uh, you know, Mexico, Hawaii. You know, I don't know that I ever would have gone to Hawaii, or I probably would have ended up there, but not as many times as I did if it wasn't, you know, I don't know how many times I've been to Hawaii 10, but mainly from photography all around Canada, the Caribbean. I don't know that I would have gone to the Caribbean as many times as I've been there. Just, you know, getting to go to some of these incredible resorts, you know, some really magnificent golf courses, private resorts um, that I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten to probably had it not been for my photography. Um, yeah, so I feel very fortunate. You mentioned Ireland, Evan, and as uh, you may have uh, heard, I had Brent Dornford, the marketing director of Old Head Golf Links, on in the last segment, and, and you've been there and taken some stunning pictures of that property. Talk about your experience at Old Head. Uh, yeah, I've been there, I want to say, three or four times. I don't remember. Uh, recently, I think it was three or four years ago. Um, it is, well, how can I say this? It's one of, if not the most stunning setting I've ever been to. I mean, I haven't been to New Zealand, to, you know, Tari Edi or Cape Kidnappers or um, Tari Cliffs yet, but uh, it, it's just an incredible, stunning location. You know, it's like Brent said, it sits out on the headland, 
uh, and it's just headlands is this little peninsula that sticks out onto the water. I think the lighthouse might be two miles out. I mean, so this thing is it sticks out into the water a mile and a half or two. One of the things that I, I mean, it all of course is fabulous, and it has improved over the years because they made some really, really wonderful changes that it keeps improving. One of the things that I was blown away, you know, not just the setting and the beauty that the water is all around you, the incredible cliffs was, and then Brent had talked about it, was the wildlife and the fauna, you know, the trees and the bushes and the flowers. I mean, I think they have, they have species there and they have species of plants and animals that I don't think they have in too many other, that are just, you know, indigenous just to that place. Um, so, you know, you walk around and you feel like you're in this wildlife sanctuary that, that happens to have a golf course on it. Um, <laughs> oh, by the yeah. way. Yeah, by the way, it's a golf course on it. And the town of Kinsale is wonderful, beautiful, little, just incredible harbor, great restaurants. It's just, it's, it's really idyllic. Uh, you know, whether the, you know, the, depending, the, Regardless of the weather, you know, it could be, I've had beautiful days, I've had windy days, I've had rainy days. So, uh, yeah, it's, there's no shortage of incredible beauty there. <laughs> yeah, I could spend, you know, weeks there photographing that place and never get tired of it. No doubt. Evan, just yeah. a couple more before I let you go. And I love the shot you have available on your website. Um, of the 18th hole at St. Andrews and the story behind how you were able to get it. It's that elevated picture of the 18th hole. Do you mind sharing that story? I'm amazed you found all these things. Um, yeah. So we had gone to St. Andrews. I don't remember if it was my first or second trip there. And the weather was, I mean, I think for four days, I just watched it rain basically. So the one day, Finally, the sun comes out one day, and I want to get a, you know, I didn't have a drone then. This was, you know, back before people were really using drones. Uh, I wanted, and I didn't have a helicopter. I wanted to get a hot photograph, the 18th hole, you know, the first and the 18th hole run right next to each other. And I thought, well, you know, the, the, the old course hotel is there. So I thought, well, maybe I can crawl up on the roof get something from up there. So we go into the hotel and I said, is there a way to get to the roof? Nobody seems to know. Or you go up to the restaurant. There's a restaurant up there. So I, we get in the elevator, go up to the restaurant. I said, listen, can I go out on your patio there and want to take some? No. I do. I just want to go out there for a few minutes and take some, but no. Okay. And I, I realized that there's floors above the re- the restaurant and God, there's got to be a way to get on the roof. So I'm going down all these hallways, stairways, trying to figure out. My wife is getting real nervous that we're going to get in trouble. And I said, I don't care. Uh, you know, what? the worst, the worst thing's going to happen is they're going to kick us out. So I finally find the staircase, and there's a, I guess I can take it all the way up, and I, I think this goes to the roof, but I couldn't open the door. So I'm like kicking it, and <laughs> so I finally, I got this door open, and I'm on the roof. Once I made it around, I kind of, has this ledge, so I crawl up on the ledge and look right down on the 18th and the first part. That's perfect. <laughs> so, went up there the photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan, you've taken photos 
for the Masters Journal now for several years. What was it like being asked to come to Augusta National to take photos for them? Um, it was, uh, well, I'll tell you, my, I was actually, Golf Digest uh, publishes the Masters Journal for Augusta. And I knew some people at Golf Digest, uh, Mike Johnson, who's still there, who's the equipment editor. He and I had grown up playing junior golf together, and they were looking for somebody to not their staff guys, their staff guys there, you know, were there shooting the action. They wanted somebody to do a special assignment, be there to do a special assignment. Calls me and said, "Hey, do you want to do this?" Said, yeah, sure. So the guy who publishes um, the Masters Journal gave me a call. Said, "Hey, we want you to come down for the week." Um, to shoot the, you know, to shoot the tournament for us. You know, there's, they had all these different things they wanted me to shoot, special assignments, but I, I mean, other than that, I had free reign to go, you know, shoot whatever I wanted to. Um, so yeah, essentially spend a week at the master. I mean, it's, there's a lot of walking. Wow. But, but the great thing is they give you, uh, they give you an assistant who carries all your equipment because I'll tell you what, wow. walking up and down those hills is for a week is a lot. I mean, you talk about having shin splints at the end of the week. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was an incredible experience. My first year there, uh, was 2005. And that's the year that Tiger chipped in. Yeah. You remember from behind? Yeah. So I was. Right. Yeah. There's a spot. So the grandstand on the 15th to the right of the 15th hole. If you get in the top right-hand corner, you can look down right on the six, because the 16th hole runs behind the 15th green. So the, if you get in the back, you're up in the grandstand to the right of the 15th, up in the back right, you essentially look right down on the 16th green, right there. So I got to know this member, and I said, boy, I'd really like to get up here, you know, Sunday afternoon. And he said, well, if you come here early, right, I'll save you a spot. But you got to get here like, you know, two hours early. So I had my assistant go there, essentially, go sit in that spot. Because those grandstands are packed and you can't even get in on Sunday. Right. So I had him go up, I had him go up to the top right and sit there and hold the spot. So I came and he moved out, basically sat on the aisle and I sat in the upper right hand corner when Tiger came through. So when he chipped in, I was standing, I was right there looking right down on him. I mean, it was the grand, I'd never heard a roar that loud in my life. Grandstand shook. Wow. Yeah. What a uh, tremendous so that, moment. Yeah, that was pretty, I mean, it was, I'd never heard a, a, a yell that loud at a golf tournament. <laughs> Explosion. No um, doubt. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Well, Evan, before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they first of all check out your website and everything you've got available on that, and then keep up yeah. to date with all the great things you're doing by following you on social media. Yeah, uh, it's EvanSchillerPhotography.com. Pretty easy. I mean, if you Google Evan Schiller, it'll come up. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's Basically, if you search Evan Schiller Photography, you can find it on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of all of them. Um, so you can see, you know, I'm probably the most active on Instagram and uh, 
LinkedIn, but I do post on others as well. So, yeah, you can kind of follow along with what I'm doing there. Because I usually, whatever I'm on a shoot, um, I usually post some images from where I am. So, yeah. Well, Evan? I've made a lot of friends through social media, so we keep in touch. Well, Evan, it's been a huge thrill having you as part of the show and so many other things I'd love to get into with you. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. That would be great. Yeah, I'd love to. That would be great. Yeah, I know. You could talk forever, right? <laughs> yes. You've got so many great experiences and so much of your photography is, like I said, I think you're the best photographer on the planet. Uh, your use of light is something that uh, I don't think anybody else does. Uh, it's, it's tremendous. I'd, I'd sure love to spend some more time with you sometime. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me on. We would appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Evan. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right. You got it. That was a great Evan Schiller. S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R is the spelling of his last name. Evan Schiller. Photography.com is the name of his site. And you can follow him on Twitter, again, at Evan underscore Schiller on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Folks, you take a look at his pictures and you're going to be blown away. Absolutely spectacular stuff. I enjoy it. I'm going to be ordering some uh, pictures, particularly of Old Head. And how great was that story about how he got the picture of the 18th at St. Andrews? Can't not get that photo after hearing that story. I look forward to having Evan back on the show again a little bit later on this year. Before I get to my next guest, Stu Sackowitz, I want to give a shout out to a few more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z. Dot com and get Square's 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Square's, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout-out to another new sponsor, Bionic Gloves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicGloves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador MB Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. 
It was her 21st victory, and she did so using Zexio 11 Woods and 10 Irons. See how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now back with me here on Next on the T is Stu Sakowitz. Stu is the founder and inventor of Pine Valley Orthotics. He is also an orthopedic specialist and has been in the shoe business for well over 40 years. And if you're like me and you deal with feet, ankle, knee, or back pain, particularly during or following your round of golf, then you're going to want to pay close attention to what Stu has developed and what he has to say. You can check out his insoles and orthotics at pinevalleyorthotics.com, and I'm happy to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Stu, thanks for coming back on the show. Nice to, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. You just said something that I don't make insoles. I make orthotics. There's a very big difference between an insole and an orthotic. An insole is something that you get in every shoe, and it's a lining, it's a cushioning. An orthotic is a device which will stabilize the entire foot for pressure from heel to toe, more in the arch, reducing the pressure in the heel and the toe. But there's a big difference between an insole and my orthotic. Uh, my orthotics are as close to a custom orthotic as you possibly can get. Um, a little bit about me. I'm an, uh, an orthotist, a pedoricist. I'm licensed by the state to fill prescriptions, and I work from anything from the knee down. So my story is I tore my own Achilles, and if anybody's ever done that, it's almost you almost always need surgery. So I invented this device that returns the blood flow to the heel. The way that my device works, it elongates from heel toe. Um, and it matches the biomechanics of the way feet walk. I use the, these materials that nobody else does in an over-the-counter um, orthotic. And that's really been my secret. So I cured myself. And I took this device to Michael Breed, who at that time was on the Golf Channel. Now he's uh, on the radio. And I showed it to him. And the minute he put them on, he fell in love with it. And that's the kind of result that I get from anybody new that tries my orthotics on. They feel so different, so supportive without them being hard or intrusive. So uh, that's the beginning of my story. So let's take that a step further, Stu, because you've also uh, done some work in the past with Hank Haney, and you were able to really help him after he had an injury as well, right? Well, Hank Hank has become a uh um a player of uh, uh um racquetball and what happened was he tore his own uh Achilles tendon and was suffering from that and plantar fasciitis so i contacted hank way before he ever tore this and I gave him my orthotics and he said, ah, I'm not interested in this. And then after he tore his Achilles, he called me on the phone and he said, uh, now I want to try these, uh, your orthotics. Within a week, I had all his pain gone. And within two weeks, he was playing pickleball, which now he likes better than, than anything else. He's more of a pickleball player than he is a, almost a golfer. He's obsessed with pickleball. And I, actually cured his 
his tear. I'm not sure how big the tear was in the Achilles, but he said that it was torn, and he said without my orthotics, you know, he could have never done that. So what happened was I went on the radio with him, and between him and Michael Breed, my business just has exploded, absolutely exploded. Um, I make these all by hand. This is not some prefab um, device. This is completely handmade out of four different layers of material, which cost me about $50. Most, most insoles or what they consider orthotics, they sell for less than $50. So my device is as close to a custom orthotic as you could possibly get. The minute you put them in your shoes, golf shoes, sneakers, um, you could play tennis, racquetball. I sold them the Chicago White Sox. It, it, any Anything that you're on your feet, if you have a foot injury, uh, the minute you put these into your shoes, you're going to feel something very different, very supportive. They feel terrific without it feeling intrusive. That That's the whole secret with my orthotics. Um, I've been making custom orthotics my whole life, and I've been playing with polymer. Polymer is a special material uh, that a lot of things are made with polymers. Basically, it's a, it's a plastic. And my plastic has an energy return system. And what that means is when you step down on it, it springs back. And it elongates, matching the biomechanics of the way feet walk. So if you have any injuries, plantar fasciitis, heel spurs, bad back, bad knees, uh, any any kind of injuries, the minute you put my orthotics into your shoes, you're going to feel something that your feet, your back, your knees, your hips, everything feels better immediately. If you have a bad back, your spine is going to be a couple of degrees straighter, which I, I, I'm in this business my entire life, over 45 years, and I've never really come across a material like this inside any orthotic that I've ever seen. So for $99, I do a lot of good for a lot of people. We're selling these for uh, about a little over three years, and I've sold 30,000 pairs of them, which is pretty neat. You have a uh, a design for dress shoes as well, right? I I have a dress shoe, which is a three-quarter orthotic, which is the same material inside, but it will fit in a a boat shoe, a a thin-soled dress shoe, somebody that's on their feet. You could be a banker. You could be uh, uh, on a boat with a thin sole dress shoe where there wouldn't be room in that kind of shoe to take uh, to fit the full dress with the full golf orthotic. So I have the dress orthotic. I have the golf orthotic. And those are really the only two products that I sell. Uh, the name of my company is Pine Valley Orthotics. And I do something that I, I've become a big business at this point. But I do something that nobody else does. I answer my own telephone. I talk to people every single day, um, depending on, you know, what's going on with their feet. And I always make the same offer. Call me on the phone. I can help you. I'll do the best I can to help you. And my phone number is 866-443-7463. And what I, what I do is I, I'll, I'll evaluate your situation. You're welcome to call me. If I can help you, we'll try the orthotics. I always sell them with a money-back guarantee. 
I, if they don't feel good, I never, ever want anybody spending their money um, on something that I invented, that I designed, that has my name on it. Um, I'll gladly refund your money. Gladly. So uh, I think I'm a small business that's not so small anymore, but I still treat it like a small business. And it's important to me. It's always my reputation when somebody wears my orthotics, Pine Valley orthotics. and you know, that's me. If you don't like them, I don't want you to spend your money. I'll give you your money back. So uh, pretty neat. And I'm so proud of what I do and the way that I do business. My phone rings every day. Um, my wife actually, uh, at this point, you know, she said, you got to, you can't do this. You got to have somebody answer the phone for you, but I won't do it. I, I will not do it. It's uh, my business. It's me. And, pretty neat. And Stu, you uh, talk about how your ortho- uh, orthotic also help create balance and stability and proper weight shift in our golf swing. How do they help do that? Okay, so so what happened is I'm a golf crazy person. I'm 68 years old. I'm still a uh, four index. Um, I live, eat, and sleep golf. So what I did is I pitched the heel in two degrees. So when you're standing at a dress, the weight of your foot is on the inside part of your heel. You can't rock too far, too far back or too far forward. So it addressed, it kind of centers you. And Michael Breed from the Golf Channel says that, you know, he, he gets uh, about three miles an hour more club head speed with my orthotic. I, I have to be honest. I never invented it for anything other than bad, bad back, bad feet, bad hips, bad knees. Um, but the balance that comes with my orthotics is, very, very um, kind of special because of the way that I pitched the heel in. So when you make that shoulder turn, it actually allows you to make that turn a little bit uh, easier and way, way more consistent. And that, that, that's golf. If you're consistent, you feel good, um, you're going to play better. Uh, the game's hard enough that uh, if your feet are killing you, your back is killing you, um, you know, it's really hard to, to go lower to, to shoot a good score. Uh, my, my orthotics are just phenomenal for people that walk the course that when you get to that 13, 14th hole, you're tired, your back hurts. Um, my orthotic is going to make you feel good at the end of this round. And if they don't, I give you back your money. Uh, and I'm happy to do it. My success rate is about, I get back three or four out of every hundred that I sell. And most of the time, the people never tried it or they couldn't fit it into the right shoe. Um, but, you know, I, I'm happy to do that. And I'm really, really proud of what I do. They're, all of these orthotics are made in my own uh, factory in New Jersey, all by hand. Each one takes about 15 minutes to make. And the orthotic is made up of four different layers. One of the layers costs me about $30 a pair. It's a plastizote, which is a diabetic material that's uh, about three sixteenths of an inch thick. It's odor-proof. It's uh, odor-proof, waterproof. And the best thing about the material, it never compresses, so it doesn't flatten out. Uh so I put everything that I know after making four, uh, orthotics for 40 years into these uh, orthotics, and 
my success rate's just been amazing. We have uh, close to 30,000 golfers wearing my orthotics or people that are just not playing golf or just on their feet all day long. So I feel so fortunate to be able to do this. I love talking to people. Once again, you can call me on the phone um, and, and I'll talk to you about your feet. And I'll be honest with you, too. If you tell me, if I don't think I can help you, then I'm going to say, hey, you know, um, I, I really do not help you. And my phone number is 866-443-7463. This business is me. And and I'm proud. I don't have a big ego. Um, I have about 20 tour pros that are wearing my orthotics. And I might have 2,000 PGA pros wearing my orthotics. Uh, We sell them in some some stores. I don't love to do that. I like, you know, selling them online better. The name of my company is PineValleyOrthotics.com. Stu, just a couple more before I let you go. But you, you have an original version, and now you're out with the 2.0 version. What changed from the original to uh, to the new version? Okay, so I have made the – this is my probably my last and final version. I've changed my orthotics 12 different times. Uh, I constantly play with um, with materials and combinations of different materials. The polymer inside, which is the plastic, my energy return system is patented. When you step down, it springs back. So when you walk down that fairway uh, and at the end of the round, your feet, your back, your knees, uh, your hips are all going to feel better. If you can picture this, your feet elongate with every step that you take. My orthotic elongates with every step you take. But we have to provide full contact with your heel, your arch, and the ball of your foot. So most orthotics are very hard, very stiff, very rigid. And they're intrusive to your back, knees, and hips. Hey, they may hold up your arch, um, but they're not, they're not going to feel that good. They're going to feel hard. The minute you put my orthotics, Pine Valley orthotics, on under your feet, you feel something that your feet like. Uh, I never get a pair back saying, hey, they're too hard, they're this, they're that. People wear them, and my phone rings, Sue, you did a miracle. My back felt so much better. My hips felt so much better. Um, and that that's such a rewarding feeling for me uh, because this is me. I started from the beginning with this. Uh, I have I have people that will drive two hours for me to make them custom orthotics uh, because, again, I take care of, uh, of my my patients and my customers, nobody else, because it's important to me. It's me. It's a reflection of me, my business, and the way that I do business. So uh, there's not many businesses anymore that people actually care, and I do. I really do. So it's uh, kind of a nice feeling. Uh, to have that we sell them for $99 we sell them for $99 always with a money back guarantee and I'm happy to give you back your money if if you don't uh, if you don't like them Uh, I have no problem with that and I always make that offer because I don't get any back Uh, the shoes nowadays they're made poorly they really are you could spend $200 and the shoes are just there's no support a lot of these shoes are light they're soft um, you know, that that's okay for the first hour or two, but not, you know, not to walk 18 holes or, you know, or if you have foot problems. 
few plantar fasciitis, which is one of the most debilitating things that you can have. My orthotics are like a miracle cure for plantar fasciitis. Uh, you're going to get out of bed two, two mornings and you can barely walk. You wear my orthotics for a couple of days. And next thing you know, you got out of bed, no pain. Not, not many, you know, without having all those injections and steroids and going to the doctor and spending $450 for custom orthotics that are hard and intrusive. You know, my Pine Valley orthotics are just, they're a gift. They're really a gift to bad feet, bad back, bad knees. Do you shared the phone number a couple of times, but uh, let our listeners know again, how can they go online, get themselves a pair of your orthotics, and then order it, and um, and then also, you know, stay up to date with all the great things that you continue to do. So my website is pinevalleyorthotics.com, and my phone number is 866-443-7463. I get about 50 phone calls a day. Um, if I'm on the phone or I need to call you back, just leave me a message. I promise I'll get back to you. And once again, if I can help you, I'm going to. And I'm also going to be honest with you. If there's something that I can't help you with, I'm just going to tell you, hey, you know, I, I, I cannot help you. So uh, give me a call. Try my orthotics. You don't have much to lose except for your pain. Um, 99 bucks would be the best $99 you ever spent. My orthotics will last you a couple of years. You can move them from shoe to shoe or you can buy more if you love them. And that, that's my whole deal, PineValleyOrthotics.com, 866-443-7463, handmade in New Jersey. Stu, I can't thank you enough for coming back and, and sharing more of your story and your insights with us. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope you'll keep us up to date and come back and join us again soon. And I can't thank you enough for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm just a normal guy. I don't have a big ego. Um, I just try to help people and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. And that, that's the way that I do business, which nowadays is unusual. But thanks again for having me. Continue success with your uh, with your podcast. I appreciate it very much, Stu. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Stu. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks go out to Brent Dornford, Evan Schiller, and Stu Sakowitz for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, folks, at nextonthetea.net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, for a milestone episode of the show. It'll be Tom's 50th appearance with me here. We also have 1992 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, and now one of the top on-course broadcasters, Mark Carnival, will be back with us. And then we're going to round out the show with another one of the top instructors in the game, Long Beach Golf Hall of Famer, Joe Groman, will be back. So a great show on tap for you next week. I hope you come back and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting site like podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, Player.fm, Odyssey. Go on there and subscribe to the show. If you enjoy it, please do me a favor and go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. If you go onto their website and click on Hot 50 that you'll see right at the top, you'll get a drop-down list and then just click on Hot 50 Voting and then type in the name of the show next on the T and then my name, Chris Mascara, was host. I can't thank you enough for helping us last month go up from 44 to 39. 
I really appreciate your support. Hopefully, we can get the show into the top 25. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.